Welcome to this week's forum at the Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion in University City, Missouri. My name is Mark Smith, priest associate, and I'm so very glad that you're able to join us. I suspect like all of you, uh, we've come to enough yet, Pharaoh? Like you, I've spent much of the past 18 months wringing my hands, pulling out my hair, being extremely frustrated, sometimes even angry at the pandemic that we're experiencing worldwide and our seeming inability, despite all of our technology, to wrap our arms around it and rescue people from uh, likely, in some cases, even certain death. As I reflected on this, it seemed to me that we're not the only ones who've experienced pandemic and disease and whose lives have been changed. Perhaps most notably, uh, the Egyptians who were held hostage in bondage by Egypt's Pharaoh. So I thought we might begin our conversation about the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic by asking the question, had enough yet, Pharaoh? Lessons of the plague for the 21st century. Please join me in this conversation. Plagues and pandemics are not particularly new. In fact, they've been dominant forces throughout uh, human history. In fact, one might even argue that they define human history. Take, for example, the Black Death that swept through uh, Eastern and Western Europe in the Middle Ages and what resulted uh, as a consequence of that plague, changes in social, economic, and political institutions, let alone its impact on people of faith. Uh, in more recent times, we've had to deal with epidemics of smallpox, not only in the United States and around the world, but also with the use of smallpox as a weaponized uh, agent uh, especially against indigenous populations uh, in the United States and Canada. Especially for those of us who've grown up in St. Louis, the 1918 flu epidemic is uh, a marker of historic proportions because St. Louis, uh, unlike so many of the other major cities in the United States, rep responded well using the most updated public health measures uh, to curb the impact on residents of the city. And certainly for we baby boomers, we've grown up with polio, HIV, AIDS, Ebola, and now COVID-19. The point that I'm trying to make is simply that pandemics and plagues have been part of our history. And we would be well served since they define who we are and what we do, that we learn from each of those experiences. With all of those to uh, potentially take advantage of, why are we focusing on the Egyptian plagues in this conversation? I think for several reasons. First, uh, the narrative uh, in scripture really is set 
in the context of the dominance of an empire, Egypt. It also has the vulnerability of a marginalized population, the Israelites. Like our own experience with the COVID-19 pandemic, it evolves over time, takes on a life of its own. The plagues in ancient Egypt challenged faith. And finally, they provide us with lessons for the 21st century. But first, let's take a look at the biblical context of these plagues. Now, many uh, of you are familiar uh, with the plagues, certainly from Sunday school and uh, Sunday morning preaching, but if none other, through Cecil B. DeMille's famous movie, The Ten Commandments. We won't go that far today, but uh, let's take a look at what was behind these plagues. First of all, as you might recall, uh, Joseph had been sold into slavery in Egypt by his brothers, became one of Pharaoh's most trusted servants, and was respected. But as scripture tells us, after several hundred years, Pharaoh remembered not Joseph, and the Israelites who had migrated to be with Joseph were essentially enslaved. They were unable to practice their faith, certainly not able to pray and sacrifice. We learn in the book of Exodus that Moses was called as God's agent of liberation, along with his brother Aaron. We're also forced to deal with the fact that the leader of the empire, Pharaoh, has an explicit need for the oppressed labor of the Israelites just to maintain his empire. If that has a vague uh, imprint of slavery in the American South, uh, that would be a, an appropriate comparison. What are the central themes of the plague narrative? First, let my people go. This is about liberation, liberation of God's people. It's also about acknowledging who God is. Famous phrase from Exodus, you shall know that I am Yahweh, the God of Israel. So let's begin with the first of the plagues, the setting of Aaron's staff on the ground. And here we quote from the seventh chapter of Exodus. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did as the Lord commanded. Aaron threw down his staff before Pharaoh and his officials, and it became a snake. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and their sorcerers. And they also, the magicians of Egypt, did the same by their secret acts. Each one threw down his staff, and they became snakes. But Aaron's staff swallowed up theirs. Still Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Well, from these first of the plagues, what might we learn about snakes? This section of Exodus reveals a sense of holy power, a power that is beyond ordinary. Now, one might suggest that it's also magic, given what the Egyptian sorcerers were able to do. But what we learn in here is, at least from the perspective of the Israelites, there was power beyond the ordinary, and it was divine. Second, freedom of the slaves in Egypt and Yahweh's governance, his sovereignty, are inextricably linked. We can't talk about God being God and Israel being liberated without the two viewed together. And third, this first plague reminds us of the necessity of complete obedience by God's agents, 
in this case specifically Moses and Aaron. Next of the plagues, we've titled A Bloody Mess. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded. In the sight of Pharaoh and his officials, he lifted up the staff and struck the water in the river, and all the water in the river was turned into blood, and the fish in the river died. The river stank so that the Egyptians could not drink its water, and there was blood throughout the whole land of Egypt. But the magicians of Egypt did the same by their secret acts. So Pharaoh's heart remained hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. In this plague, we learn that Yahweh's dominion is full over the created order. He even controls the essence of Egyptian life, specifically access to the Nile River. Second, Pharaoh exhibits incredible hubris in presuming that he, not Yahweh, is in control. And the consequence of such hubris, as we'll learn throughout the plagues, is death. God has dominion over all creation, and to think otherwise certainly results in death. Well, that obviously did not change Pharaoh's heart. So we now need to focus on something even more dramatic and perhaps gross. Frogs are croaking. From the eighth chapter of Exodus, so Aaron stretched out his hands over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land. But the magicians did the same thing by their secret acts. They also made frogs come up on the land of Egypt. Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Pray to the Lord to take the frogs away from me and my people, and I will let your people go to offer sacrifices to the Lord. After Moses and Aaron left Pharaoh, Moses cried out to the Lord about the frogs he had brought on Pharaoh. And the Lord did what Moses asked. The frogs died in the houses, in the courtyards, and in the fields. They were piled into heaps, and the land reeked of them. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and would not listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had said. In this brief excerpt from Exodus, Yahweh's power to mobilize creation against a disobedient empire is emphasized. No power, no earthly leadership can resist the power of God. Yahweh's willingness to engage with non-Israelites is an important dimension to understanding sovereignty, but also to understand that even in that engagement, even in the dialogue with Pharaoh, Yahweh occupies the principal seat. Yahweh is in control. And finally, we're, learned, we're forced to recognize the moral bankruptcy of the empire's agent, Pharaoh, the fact that he consistently reneges on his promises. Well, if that weren't enough, how about can it replicate the plague of the gnats? Aaron stretched out his hands with his staff and struck the dust of the earth, and the gnats came on humans and animals alike. All the dust of the earth turned into gnats throughout the whole land of Egypt. The magicians tried to produce gnats by their secret arts, but they could not. There were gnats on both humans and animals, and the magicians said to Pharaoh, 
this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them, just as the Lord had said. In this plague of the gnats, we learn the limits of the empire's power. There's only so much that Pharaoh and his minions can do. And even Pharaoh is forced to confess Yahweh's power. But the gnats were not sufficient to bring Pharaoh to his knees. We learn in the eighth chapter of Exodus, thus says the Lord, for if you will not let my people go, I will send swarms of flies on you, your officials and your people, and into your houses. But on that day, I will set apart the land of Goshen, where my people live, so that no swarms of flies shall be there, that you may know that I am the Lord in this land. So Pharaoh said, I will let you go to sacrifice to the Lord your God. Then Moses said, as soon as I leave you, I will pray to the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart tomorrow from Pharaoh, from his officials, and from his people. Only do not let Pharaoh again deal falsely by not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. The Lord did as Moses asked. He removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his officials, and from his people. Not one remained. But Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also and would not let the people go. Clearly in the plague of the flies, the author emphasizes Yahweh's preference for the marginalized. This we will see carried as a theme throughout the Hebrew scriptures and clearly in the ministry of Jesus. We also note that Moses has a practical negotiating strategy that perhaps is best summed up. You got to do what you got to do, even if it means dealing with an evil empire. We can think of any number of parallels in the world of international relations or even domestic policy that we live in today. Perhaps most intriguing is we see the leverage of prayer in negotiations at the heart of the plagues, at the heart of our theological understanding of them is an appreciation for the power of prayer. But again, Pharaoh's heart was hardened, so we turn to yet another plague. If you refuse to let the Israelites go and still hold them, the hand of the Lord will strike with a deadly pestilence your livestock in the field, the horses, the donkeys, the camels, the herds, and the flocks. But the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt, so that nothing shall die of all that belongs to the Israelites. And on the next day, the Lord did so. All the livestock of the Egyptians died, but the livestock of the Israelites, not one died. So Moses and Aaron took soot from the kiln and stood before Pharaoh, and Moses threw it in the air, and it caused festering boils on humans and animals. But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he would not listen to them, just as the Lord had spoken to Moses. From this plague rendered against the livestock and the boils experienced by both them and humans, we learn of Pharaoh's loss of legitimacy. It's not just that Pharaoh is struggling with the fact that he may not have the labor necessary to maintain his empire. He may not even have the legitimacy to maintain control over his own minions. We also see 
Yahweh has the power to protect as he does with the Israelites and to wreak and render death as he does with the people and livestock of Egypt. So now one of the most dramatic of all the plagues labeled as hell no. But this is why Yahweh have let you, Pharaoh, live to show you my power and to make my name resound through all the earth. You are still exalting yourself against my people and will not let them go. Tomorrow at this time, I will cause the heaviest hail to fall that has ever fallen in Egypt. The hail struck down everything that was in the open field throughout all the land of Egypt, both human and animal. The hail also struck down all the plants of the field and shattered every tree in the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the Israelites were, there was no hail. So the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he would not let the Israelites go, just as the Lord had spoken through Moses. Hmm. From the episode of the hail, we learn there is no one like Yahweh in all the earth. Yahweh is distinct against all the gods of Egypt. Yahweh is a God of incompetence incomparable power. Nothing rivals God. And God's incomparable solidarity with the needy and marginalized is again emphasized. Yet even the hail did not deter Pharaoh. How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? For if you refuse to let my people go, tomorrow I will bring locusts into your country. The locusts came upon all the land of Egypt and settled on the whole country of Egypt. They covered the surface of the whole land so that the land was black. And they ate all the plants in the land and all the fruit of the trees that the hail had left. Pharaoh hurriedly summoned Moses and Aaron and said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Do forgive my sin just this once. The Lord changed the wind into a very strong west wind which lifted the locusts and drove them into the Red Sea. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let the Israelites go. Although not contained in the uh, snippet uh, that we just called from Exodus, there's a central part of uh, the negotiations around locusts where Moses refuses to be intimidated by Pharaoh's observation that uh, the sending of locusts will harm children, refuses to allow children to be used as bargaining chips. We're also exposed to a duality, the fragility of God's creation and God's sovereignty, even in the midst of chaos. So what we come to understand is that creation can be tipped in dramatic ways by the littlest, the smallest of actions. But even in the midst of the most horrendous of catastrophes, God's hand is at work. And the final of the plagues with which we'll deal today, out of the depth of darkness. So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was dense darkness in the land of Egypt for three days. People could not see one another, and for three days they could not move from where they were. 
but all the Israelites have light where they live. Then Pharaoh said, go worship the Lord. But Moses said, you must also let us have sacrifices and burnt offerings to sacrifice to the Lord our God. Our livestock also must go with us. Not a hoof shall be left behind. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he was unwilling to let them go. Then Pharaoh said to him, Get away from me. Take care that you do not see my face again, for on that day you see my face, you shall die. Moses said, Just as you say, I will never see your face again. Perhaps the most dramatic of ways we see God reasserting that I am Yahweh, I am in charge. And while we don't know whether darkness was three days as we count them in uh, science, we do know that there was some period of darkness, period of darkness that leads to liberation. So out of the chaos, out of the drama, out of the death, out of the plagues, we come to know that there will be liberation. But there will be one more step in that process. There will be a Passover of the angel of death that will lead to an exodus. But that's a story for another day. That's a story for when we leave the COVID-19 pandemic fully behind us. So in advance of our conversation on Sunday morning, I'd like to suggest that you consider several questions. Has the COVID-19 pandemic changed your life? If so, how? How do you understand God in the midst of this worldwide catastrophe? Are there those you perceive to have hardened their hearts? What is the role of prayer in response to the pandemic? And what can we learn about empire and its leaders from the plague narratives?